Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news in MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and other combat sports. Uh, this week, we're uh, joined by uh, Ray Robles, a.k.a. Rhino, uh, who was on the West Coast for the uh, the Pan the Kids Pan Ams uh, World great. Championships. Uh, Ray, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me back, guys. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Cool, man. I mean, uh, it's co- funny that you uh, you were out there for that. Uh, I was just saying to Matt before you jumped into the to the podcast here, because obviously coast to coast, you, we're all in different locations. You're you're south of me, Matt's to the west of me, and you guys actually got to hang out uh, Dude, on the west coast. Uh, but uh, there we had uh, there, I actually uh, we did a GoFundMe out here. A kid that used to train uh, with us uh, went to that, and I was aware it was going on, but. I, when I saw your pictures, I was just like, oh, wow, he's in the same place as Liam Zay. Uh, I forget what division he won, but he, he trains at Brunswick BJJ. So jiu-jitsu is a, a small world, man. Uh, take us through uh, the weekend. You were out there for coaching? Dude, yeah, it was super cool. We had um, um, from our six levels uh, and John Crouch Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, IBJJF team, uh, we only took three of our my competitors from, from my gym out there, um, Christopher, Amir, and Chandler. Uh, and, and it was a great experience. The kids did awesome. Um, we walked away with one bronze medal, which is great. You know, it's, it's really hard. Um, the skill level and Ed, I know black belt to black belt, the skill level that I would see being displayed by these kids. And when I say kids, I mean, you're legitimately talking, uh, you know, the, the IBJJF kids and teens, it's anything from like the peewee division, like four or five years old up to, to 15 years old, 16 day becoming a juvenile division. So the skill level from some of these kids out there by far blew me away. Like I'm watching adults, like, like older adults, like even like older black belts and guys, I'm like, dang, we don't move like those kids anymore. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is incredible. Like I saw some kids that are legitimately like the sport of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is going to be okay in the years and in the, in the, coming up in the future. There's so much monster talent out there. There's some kids I'm, I'm, I was watching and I'm like, they're going to be like next, like in four or five years, it's going to be incredible. So I, I was, I was impressed with the level of skill out there. I was impressed with the way my kids went out there for the first time on a world team. I mean, there were kids from Brazil, uh, Europe, Asia, all over the place going out there to compete um, all across the United States. It was, it was, a, it was an incredible time. Um, yeah, it's a good camaraderie and it was, I mean, it was, it's fun to run into a lot of awesome jujitsu legends and, and just see the amount of people that are out there. It was killer. Great time. Is it ran the same as the adults? I mean, what's the uh, what's the program like as far as the the layout, the the schedule? Um, obviously, it's a couple days shorter. Uh, I believe the adult ones usually is like Thursday to Sunday, isn't that correct? Yeah, because like the amount of like, I mean, I think there was probably about I, I didn't catch the final tally, but there was definitely over three hundred competitors for the kids out there. And you're looking at all those those uh, age groups and brackets and stuff like that. But it runs similar to the adult. Like I, I'll give credit to the IBJJF for this. They run a tight ship when it comes to their their shows. Like they tell you, like you know, once that bracket drops on a Friday, it says it's pre-reg only. Obviously, you know, you get out there, it's it's pre-registration only. The bracket drops on Friday. They tell you you're going to be going at this time and get there about an hour beforehand. Every single one of my kids, their posted time, they went at least a minimum of 20 minutes earlier than that. So, and I was like, you know, and they go and they just pump them out, pump them out, pump them out. So it was definitely, it was, it was a great run tournament, very similar to the adults, just with the kids, the rule sets were a little different. The times a lot, a lot shorter. It was like four minute matches. Um, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. I thought these kids did it, it, amazing. Like everybody's kids. I, I, like I said, I had some talented matches and, and, and they were just on point. Same, same setup where you go there. Once they call you to the bullpen, you have your, your IBJJF card. Like I have mine as a, a competitor. You go there, you check in. They check you in, they check your gi to make sure you're all in regulation with the gi. They check your weight, you're on weight. You hang out in the bullpen. The ring coordinator comes over, says, you, you guys, let's go. You go to the ring, boom, hand your cards to the table people. You jump on the mat, do your match, hop off, next run, next one, next one. It's just it's a nonstop push all the time of uh, people competing. It was awesome. How was uh, – I saw you put that picture up with uh, uh, Andre Galvao. Did he, <laughs> I, was it, were, were they uh, – were, was uh, Atos deep at, out there with a uh, kids' division? They had they had some de- – definitively, they had – and if you look at even like some of their kids who are now blue belts, like Ty Rutolo and those guys are Rutolo brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, just last year they were competing. Um, I saw um, – he's not – 
part he's a part of AOJ now, but uh, this kid named Cole Abate. If mm-hmm. you if you've seen him, he is he's a blue belt now. One last group hands, sixteen year old now. He's uh he's with the Mendez brothers out in California, but he's um he is like a kid again, sixteen years old. That these kids are like just beasts. But yeah, Andre was out there. You saw like 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 the Mendez. I saw uh, Leticia Ribeiro out there. Uh, Wagner Rocha was out there. I saw Wagner caught up with him. You know, chatted with him for a little bit. Um, there's a few other people out there, like like the, the top names that were out there. That that Galval po- uh, picture I posted on uh, on my Instagram. I had a lot of people laughing at it because I, I put the caption. I was like, "Legend, goat, champion, greatest of all time." I'm like, these are some of the things that this gentleman said when he met me and like all these like jujitsu guys, like clowning me on, on, on like my DMS, like, ah, look at you, like making fun of Gal Val. But uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was awesome seeing him a lot shorter in person than, <laughs> than I thought. I mean, he was probably as tall as one of my kid competitors out there. I didn't realize that he's such a heavyweight at, at like five foot, like nothing. So like, he's probably like mad wide though. Cause that's a, he's, he's, dude, he, yeah. he's a thick dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, yeah. That, that would definitely say that. Uh, bomba. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, uh, I, I started pressure passing cause of him actually when I was, uh, when I got my purple belt, I remember it's cause I, I saw him do an instructional for, uh, similar to, uh, um, that, the what's his name? Bernardo Fario's like, uh, the brother pass. Yeah, the pressure passing. I started that. Uh, he did some. I think it was in a magazine or something. I saw him do a whole sequence, and I just I don't know why it took, but it it, it stuck in my. I actually still use it today. It's one of my go to passes. So that's the only reason why I'm a, a fan of Galval because I I always kind of say like, oh, it's that because of that pass I got my purple belt. Nice, but he, uh, yeah, he is a legend, and like you know, and I will say this um, because I don't know if you heard like some of the other controversy over the weekend with some of his one of his top competitors and teammates, but um. um it was it was good to see him out there, especially with because uh, K and Duarte, uh, his like young black belt uh, world champion this past year, uh, just got um, in trouble with the IBJJF and uh, busted for steroids, and oh, they I shook, saw that. Yeah, him up his world title, and you know, because of like that, he's suspended for a couple of years. So it was it was actually like I, I, all whatever aside, it was good seeing Galval out there, even still like saying, hey, listen, no matter what. He's there for his team, his kids, and stuff like that. So it was good to see him out there, especially under circumstances with all the the rumor mill and the talking going on about all that stuff. It was really good to see him out there um, at at uh, at the kids' pans representing his team and stuff. So that news came out on Friday, wasn't it? Yeah, Friday? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you got especially for something with kids, you got to keep it positive. That's it, so, you know. And, and yeah. I give him a lot. I give him a lot of respect because he was nothing but like the nicest guy and talking to him and stuff like that. So yeah, he was, he was cool to see. What is the what is the drug testing policy for? Is the they? I mean, do they, do they test kids at all, or is not, it when you become kids. an adult? I it was in the adult division. I think it's a, a fairly recent thing within the last five years. But I think they they use USADA rules under for their world championships. So anybody who competes IBJJF in the world, like the worlds, to win that world title, especially I think now because there's money involved and like all those like yeah. everything that's involved with it, they said that um uh, they will uh, drug test you know, for performance enhancing drugs and, and that's there. So that's a big thing in the, in the IBJJF community that, yeah. that happened. So, yeah. Especially cause that's one of the criticisms, like maybe I want to say in, in the last three years that like if, when people talk about competitive grappling or competitive jujitsu, they're like, Oh, well, you know, you, you can, you can juice up and do that and do well for a while. So I think, uh, I mean, that's kind of, it, 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 it's kind of a double edged sword. It's bad news when you see it, but then it's nice to see that, they're being tested so you know for the future like you said the jiu-jitsu is going to be safe for a while especially with all the people joining and the schools popping up left and right so and these young competitors they were pulling off like some of their some of their transitions were like seriously like i'm watching kids who are 13 <laughs> like yeah. go gar pull snap into a deli heva quick like sweet baron bolo like 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 sweet taking the back going over there and like attacking like 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 collar chokes <laughs> and different things. I was like, I'm sitting there going, "How old is that kid?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nine. Make you, makes you wonder about yourself. You're like, Wait, am, I, am I getting slower? <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm saying. This is nine years old and pulling that off. By the time he's 15, 16, I'm like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, I can't low roll right now. I'm, I'm yeah. hurt. Yeah. You, yeah. Sorry, sorry, teenager. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. One of the uh, one of the cool things that uh, comes about 
me getting a chance to to meet a bunch of people around the country uh, in the MMA world and stuff is I got to hang out with Ray. We talked about uh, how we got together and we kind of got to pick each other's brains and, and really talk the sport and uh, BJJ and, and MMA and, and everything for several hours. Uh, and, and you guys went to a Laker game. Out we, there. we went to the Laker game. And, and yeah, <laughs> yes. so but, awesome. but we had, we had about three or four hours before then um, where we, you know, we had a, a hung out, ate some food and, and really kind of picked each other's brains. And I, I love picking up knowledge that I just, I, I was, uh, I guess, naive to, but you were explaining to me how the, the, the kids uh, BJJ has a different belt level, a different belt schedule than adults. In my mind, um, I guess it's always been for me that it was white, blue, uh, purple, brown, black, and that was the adult uh, adult scale and, and how you got yours. I wasn't aware of the 16-year-old rule, I think you were explaining to me, yep, yep. Um, and, and then the other belts. Why don't you kind of explain that for any other viewers that are kind of naive on the on the kids' aspect, and, and if they have children that they wanted to get into BJJ, um, how, how that'll kind of work and how it's Absolutely. different than adults. Absolutely. So, so with any child under the age of 16, uh, for any school utilizing the IBJJF belt system, you have a series of belts that they go through. You have you start with white belt, then you go through the gray belt series, which is gray with a white bar across the middle of it, then a solid gray belt, gray with a black bar. And all the children's belts will always follow that format of whatever the, 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 the main color with a white bar in it, the solid color, and the color with a black bar. And then like, like any adult belt, you have four stripes that you can earn on the belt per you know, before your next level of belt. So you go from white to the gray series, to the yellow series, to the orange series, and then the green belt series. And then by that point, you have to be in IBJJF pretty much, not even IBJJF, but like anybody who, even if they don't follow IBJJF standards, which a lot of schools choose not to, like Hoist Gracie doesn't follow the IBJJF standards for belts, but they all have the same common rule. You have to be at least 16 to earn a blue belt. So that's a very common thing. And Ed, yeah, you, you, that's like yourself too. Um, you could also be uh, 16 to 17 to earn a purple belt as well too. Um, the youngest age, and I, I, this is always one of the things that get me, I believe you have to be at least 19 to get a, oh, no, 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 it's not true. And to be, I think, at least 18 to get a brown belt and a minimum of 19 years old to get a black belt. Because that goes into like, uh, if you look at um, Ramirez, it just fought Keenan Cornelius at Fight to Win up in uh, Costa Mesa this weekend. I think, I believe he's a first time as a black belt, 19-year-old black belt, and, and won that, that fight, um, which is awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's a different standard because – Part of, and, and to the Gracie's rules and, and not a knock against other traditional martial arts, but going back to like the Gracie, I'm, I'm not just talking Elio Gracie with Hoist, I'm talking like Elio and Carlos Gracie. So you're even going to the Carlson Gracie lineage too. Both sides of the family have always said the same thing. A black belt in martial arts isn't just because of the skill, cell, uh, skill level, rather. sorry. It's about the ability, it's about who you are as a person and the maturity to be able to take this technique and go. We, we see like in the, in the taekwondos and the other kind of traditional martial arts, like nine-year-old black belt. I'm a ninth degree black belt at nine years old. Mm-hmm. It's like, really? You're, so you're a nine-year-old black belt. You feel that that skill set, it, it's different in jujitsu because it's about the maturity level and aspect that they want to, to show to, trans, to translate moving forward. Um, so like for a family going into like taking a kid, if your child and the way it breaks down with the IBJJF, with a family, if you start your, your child at like four, uh, five years old in jujitsu, white belt, four stripes, gray belt with a white stripe, four stripes, gray, blah, 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 all the way down the line. But by the time they finish that whole series of belts, the, their green belt with a black bar in the middle, four stripes, that should be 15 years old. They're considered almost juvenile. But by the time they turn 16, then they're able to go to that adult belt system, which is blue belt, and then to the purple, and then to brown, and then to black at that point. So a kid can have a base of knowledge and information from that part going forward. They don't put them in the same level of skill, or, or they have different rule sets and, 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 and different ideas of what they want to have as jujitsu knowledge and base at those ages prior to being an adult. So that's why it, it works out where they don't say like, oh, your kid is a nine-year-old, here's your black belt. Because I think in, in now for nothing, in my personal opinion, I do feel that that's what hampers other martial arts, the traditional martial arts, where can you really take an, an eight-year-old black belt seriously? Like, oh, I'm an eight-year-old black belt world champion. Okay, kid, take it easy. It is different. There's a humbleness that has to come with it. And a lot of times, if you give someone uh, a, a black belt at a very young age, um, you know, you could create a, it's like creating a supervillain, you know, in, in a, in a, in, <laughs> yeah, like in, in, a great in, analogy. In the, yeah. Because then they get so cocky and full of themselves that 
that they 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 don't really uh, act like the nicest folks. So um, that's definitely. I, I remember crying when I got my black. I, I was so emotionally like I wasn't expecting it. I would. It, it was it was weird because I like I, I knew that there was. I mean, obviously, when you get to that fourth degree brown belt, and I was at that point for a while. There's there's only one step up, you know. So like you know that that point it was like it was one of those things where eventually it could have happened, but was it going to happen? I didn't know. So when I when when my coach John Burke promoted me to black belt, like I was taken back for a second. I was like at that point it was, God, 21 years of training now. This was going on six years ago this December. Uh, I mean it, it was it was at that point probably like 14 years of training. I think that really like it, it got me. I was like and I was like there's a culmination of a journey to that point, and and I was like taking back and emotionally like, like, Oh my God, like, wow, this like, it got to me, you know, and it was in, in a beautiful way. I can't imagine like some like nine-year-old, like, you know, Kung Fu kid, like here's a black belt. Here you go. He's like, yay, thanks. Cool. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to yeah. go Nintendo switch right now. Like, I don't think there's the same appreciation for that. No. I believe that's one of the reasons why, like you said to that, it's, it's not only the, the, the like the arrogance, it's, it's like that character that there's a better appreciation of like what that means, the weight of that responsibility moving forward. Yeah. yeah, no, I uh, I got mine a few years ago now, and and uh, uh, it's funny because this past December, uh, we had uh, one of the guys that that got their black belt at my school was on the podcast recently, Simon Tang, um, and uh, uh, another guy that trains at my school, he's going to be on this podcast too because I, th- I think he's going to do the ADCC uh, when they're out here in uh, when is it in November? November. I'll yeah. be there too. I'll be there too. Oh yeah, so yeah. so we'll probably get together before then, but uh. Um. Yeah. He uh. He got his at the, that same night, and he, he's competed fight to win pro. He's done MMA, and uh, he he's thirty three, and um, he even said, I, "I don't feel like I deserve it." And I was like, "Yeah, that's how I felt too when I got it." And um, the funny thing is, uh, is he, the way he uh explained it was he because he plays video games still at, at thirty. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, we're we all we're all, we're all gamers, but he uh. So he was like, he was like, I feel like he was like, I feel like this whole time I've been playing the tutorial level of a video game, and now <laughs> and now I just started the game, and I was like, man, that's that's kind of yeah, that's what it's like, man. I mean, not because now you you start to pay attention to things differently, and it's like it's almost like you're reset and and become thirsty to learn again. So uh, yeah, man, it's definitely a different humbling experience. I, I, and I I came out of Ishinru karate. I mean, I was doing that as an adult. Even that was like ten years to get a black belt. Uh, especially from my karate instructor, who was a hard ass. Uh, most of my injuries came from there. I only have the the pec tear from jujitsu, but yeah, um, yeah man. But uh, you guys, uh, really quick. I mean, I was a little jealous of you guys catching a basketball game out there, and I'm over here sitting freezing my ass off on, on the East Coast. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say this. I gotta say this because I'm a, I'm a huge diehard basketball fan. As mm-hmm. much now as like like Matt has always impressed me with the wealth of information and knowledge he has about like MMA, the history, like like legitimately you got to write a book because I think that you have probably like, like there's things like I've been around the sport. Like we both talked about, we both been around the sport since like the nineties, you know, yeah. and it's, it's like going back. But Matt, you like say, you like you bring to mind so many things to me. I'm like, dang, I forgot about that. Oh, wow. I, I didn't know that. It's amazing to me. That said, your basketball acumen is probably <laughs> just as good. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm a huge b-ball fan, so it was just awesome being at that game with you because I was like, you know, it's just it was it was a good wealth of like knowledge about basketball too. I mean, that was killer. I mean, I think it's just that's that California thing in general about. I mean, there's like some great sports out there all across. I'm, I'm a diehard like Knicks basketball, Yankees baseball, Giants football, Rangers ice hockey. I, I, I love sports. I'm, I've always been a sport guy growing up and coming out of New York City, which I, I think you were expected to know in the Northeast about those teams. But California is that other state that, you know, you guys out there know it. Like you had such a, a history of basketball. It was really awesome being out there with you. Matt, so. Yeah, I appreciate the words. And yeah, I mean, I've just been a sports fanatic my whole life. My dad was, uh, my grandpa was, my uncles are, my cousins are. Um, and and I've I've been a sponge for for baseball. I mean, everything I know about MMA now. There was a time I, I was the same way uh, with baseball, basketball, and, and football. Uh, and hockey was something I never I never got into. But um, but those three big sports, I've just been a sponge my whole life. And and then as as when I you know got a little older, and once MMA kicked in, that took over a big chunk of my uh, my experience. But actually traveling to uh, Traveling to uh, football games with the Chargers and, and doing that is kind of what led me on the path of wanting to travel to go to MMA events. It opened my mind and eyes to seeing, uh, meeting other people and, and seeing other cities and, and realizing that that was one way for me to get around and see stuff that uh, 
you know, not be stagnant and, and stay here. And it's just a way for me to see the country and, and, and enjoy doing something while there, instead of just looking at a statue or, or a museum or something, it was, uh, it was in, enjoying, you know, checking out the local sports scene and, and checking out the fans and hanging out with Pittsburgh Steeler fans at a Pittsburgh bar. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how I met it. You know, I meet Ed at, at, at T-Mobile arena and, um, you know, it's just it's just how how things have have always worked and have been real good for me. So yeah, man, I, I had a blast, and um, I know uh, I know we were hoping to get together more along the weekend. Some stuff came up for me here uh, w- with my friends in, in town that I had to take care of. But uh, the big uh, we one thing we did talk about was I had mentioned Alimalay McFarland being a a star with Bellator, and I feel like. Um, and we, we, I mentioned how had she signed with UFC and not went to Bellator, her whole path would have been different. Yeah. Um, turns out she just signed a big uh, contract extension uh, with Bellator along with Douglas yeah. Lima uh, nice. the other day. And today we got the huge news that Douglas Lima will be fighting Gegard Mousasi on May 9th uh, real, for the middleweight nice. title. Yeah. Real quick, uh, just a quick question because we were talking about black belts and one of our viewers had a question. Uh, Paul, who who kind of tunes in almost every week respect his opinion but it seems like he's gatekeeping having a black he wants to know how how young is too young for for which uh for getting a black belt i guess in 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 brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah you know and and that's that's always going to be one of those things for debatable i i I respect and again you know sometimes you operate within the parameters of of like you know this is the way it's always been so you kind of do that and and it's it's going to be and paul it's going to be kind of two sides of this coin in one aspect, it's like, well, they have to be at least 19 to receive and have the maturity to receive a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Because we've seen, especially in the, in the competitive BJJ community, plenty of guys who have received black belts who have just been arrogant, like, like, like almost to a point where, like, like Dylan Danis. Mm-hmm. Look at Dylan Danis. Yeah, he's got the skill level to be a black belt. But the way he came across and the way he's, he's, he's been with everything and, and the whole, like, Connor situation, that whole thing, he's been very uh, – like you look at him like he's like, dude, really? Like, like who are you? Like, how are you mm-hmm. acting that way? But on the other side of that coin, you look at those sixteen-year-olds like Tyra Tolo or or the uh, the what do you call it? Um, um, Nikki Ryan or these kids who are just young, 15, 16 year old kids who are beating black belts. Yeah. And then you're like, well, you have the skill set. Are we just holding you back because the rules state that you shouldn't be? Should there be a difference, especially since kids are starting younger and getting more proficient sooner? Should that may be possibly looking looking back? I, I'm a little bit more in the middle. I'm I'm very much old school. Like I I I like the fact that you know you have to earn it, and it has yeah. to be a thing where like the black belt isn't just the fact that you can get out there. Like I, I've seen this happen a lot of times in basketball. Kind of circling back, how many great players out there wouldn't be great coaches? Not a knock on like a guy like Allen Iverson, but even Allen Iverson himself as a basketball player, phenomenal talent. But he himself is like, I'm not a guy who can coach you know he's not that guy's going to lead it to like in that sense so you got to look at the same way as a black belt where it's mm-hmm. like you know I, I do think that i like that 19 20 years old to get that maturity and like you know if, if they really have that then absolutely i'm not one to hold back anybody and say you got the skill you got the talent you got there but i want you to be 25 i'm not going to do that you know i would promote a kid if they're, if they're 19 20 years old a black belt they truly earned it and they deserve it absolutely i have no problem with that but that said, you know, I'm also not going to be saying, like, oh, just because so-and-so, just because Tyra Tola tapped out a, a black belt, then I got to make him a black belt at 15 because he did it. Because then, you know, what's the point? You got to still – I think the the tradition and respect of martial arts still has to be there that people kind of hold true to those traditions. And that's a part of it that I think is still kind of important, the, the discipline, the respect, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff like that. There is those parts that sometimes get lost in a sport that in, in, in MMA – kind of like the, the lack of that respect. And we talked about this in the past with kind of that Connor vibe and a- attitude. You yeah. can kind of do that to sell fights and prize fighting. But to actually be that humble person who who says, I'm going to accept losing, whatever like that, to learn an, an art to get better at and to really truly develop that mindset yeah. to get teacher move forward. Maybe you do have to be at least 20 years old. I mean, and maybe that's that's a fair assessment of age. And that's the way I look at it. Because that's the way that's what I would do for any of my students if they're at that point. That's what I will look at to promote him with that. 
And I know Paul, so I know he's a big sports fan from mm-hmm. um, of other sports uh, too. So I think a good example of this might be uh, if you look at like the NBA, where the rule is that you have to be, I believe it's one year out of college before you can go to the NBA. Uh, the NFL, I believe it's two years of uh two years of college, it might even be yep. three years of college before you can, you can go into the NFL draft. I think there's a maturity level. Um, I think you got to look at BJJ as a little bit more of a representation of Brazil. Is that a fair statement? I mean, it, it's such a big thing there. And it, especially when you have the Gracies and stuff with their name on it, um, it would seem to me that they would want to perhaps uh, want the representation to be a little bit more mature and, uh, and, ready to, to, to do it as opposed to Ed said, perhaps creating a 14 year old monster who's choking out a bunch of people on the beach of Rio because they think they're a badass that, you know, even though they're a 14 year old kid. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that makes any sense, Paul, but I would just kind of say, it sounds like there's some age levels where they just want to, uh, they, they want to try to weed out the, you know, get a little bit more mature, get, get adults in there, people who are more serious about moving on into their adult life. Um, kind of carrying on the traditions of the sport. So Spider-Man that when great power comes, great responsibility, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you gotta, you gotta have that mindset. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, sorry, I just, I saw Paul's question come up and I thought it was a de- uh, good one to ask, especially for folks that don't know, but we were, you were talking about uh, all the Bellator news that came out. Yeah. Uh, it looks like, uh, I mean, man, I mean, they always, I feel like they, they put on better cards out by you, Matt, than, than what I get out here <laughs> outside of I, Madison Square Garden. I mean, it's always the grass is gr- always greener, but yeah. I, I mean, I'm stoked. Uh, I, I booked uh, when they announced the, the Nemkov Bader fight in the arena. I actually booked a hotel um, while in the arena because uh, a good, cri- uh, you know, I found a good price while I was just sitting there in between fights. Um, I was, ex- you know, I was I'm look- I was any of Fedor's guys knowing Fedor's probably going to be there and uh, is an exciting fight for me. I, I'm I, like if I've never hidden my uh, kind of partial or my fandom for, for Russian MMA fighters. So the fact Nemkov was going to be there. And then when, uh, so today uh, when I saw Coker announced that he was going to uh, lay, you know, exp- you know, announce the next uh, Lima fight. Um, I crossed my fingers for it being against Musasi. I didn't really think it would be a co-main event, which kind of surprised me. Uh, but when they announced it for this, uh, it's actually mother's day weekend card. Um, is that God Mother's damn. Day weekend? Is it? Yeah, weekend? the Sunday's Mother's Day. They've done this. Uh, this is second year in a row. I, w- I did it last year too. Oh, wow. Fly out there for a day, and then I, I get back. Uh, I get back early as I can on Sunday uh, to take care of mom. You, you but, better, uh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but, but, but you yeah. know what? To, to talk about that Lima fight with Masasi, first of all, that is a phenomenal fight. Douglas Lima is a stud, an absolute yeah. monster. I mean, the kid's a beast. But the fact is that bec- I mean that fight came together because we. I mean. Rafael Lovato Jr., man. I mean, phenomenal. Like this, yeah. I mean, one of my all-time favorite just jujitsu competitors. I mean, multi-time world champion. It's a beast of a, a competitor stepping back, giving up his title. That thing, that's heartbreaking. I mean, I, I feel for the guy because he's literally he's really a nice guy. Like I, yeah. I mean, a few times he's really like one of those guys that are like you would think like like damn this guy's like he, he he's just he's intimidating, but he's super nice of a dude, man. So I'm I'm um I'm really bummed that he's uh, got to step away from MMA, but obviously. What's better for his health is, is you know, like, yeah. you know, at, at that point, that's a smart decision. Walk away from the sport to maintain that. He's still competing. Uh, my buddy Alex is putting on that Substars event in Miami, oh, okay. Florida. Yeah, and 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 he's uh, on February 21st. A phenomenal card. You got to look that up, up Substars. Is he's that going to be streaming anywhere for folks uh, to watch? Yes, actually, um, uh, our, our, our buddy uh, Star-Lord, Josh uh, Leduc, on, um, on uh, – uh, he's mentioned that he's going to be putting together uh, something for, for pay-per-view, I think it is. So uh, I know there's going to be some information coming out from that. But, uh, but um, yeah, uh, they're putting it together. But uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. is fighting um, in a submission grappling match, fighting Cyborg that, that day, uh, Cyborg Abreu on that card. So, I mean, he's still obviously actively competing, um, yeah. which is good. I mean, that sense that he's, like, uh, obviously not taking the, the, the hard, impactful shots of, like, you know, Musasi head kicks or punches, you know, in that sense. But I mean, it's it, it cyborg. Yeah, but cyborg suplex to do it at the Kasai the like couple weeks ago. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, like that's uh, not safer. But yeah. I mean, may, maybe he'll. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes we. I mean, jujitsu dudes. Are, I mean, we're not mean to each other unless you make us be. And and they're both pretty cool. Yeah, cool I mean, dudes, and, so, and, yeah. There that, and I mean, not for nothing. I mean, credit credit to Rafael's like in his mid thirties. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a he's he's he's. MMA old. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he's not an old guy, but he's MMA yeah. old because, I mean, I know he's, what, was he 11-0, 12-0, and maybe 10-0 in his career? I think I yeah. Mean, yeah, 10 know, he, yeah. He, he's, he's, he's done it the right way. He's came up, he's fought some good, solid guys. I mean, he's fought some great matches. 
Um, and you know, like I remember, I remember his first fight in Bellator. Uh, I was all talking about his submission prowess, and he went and head kick knocked the guy out. Yeah, I like, yeah. I was like, I was hey. like, well, there goes that. I had nobody got to see it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all the best to Rafael Lovato Jr. Man, the guy's yeah. just incredible, dude. But the, the, that that Lima Masaski fight, that's going to be a, a scrap, you know. Yeah, we talked about uh, Rafael, uh, Rafael um, last week on the show for a while. Um, I know. <laughs> Ed says he doesn't like the half IL. I throw yeah, because he's because he's, 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 he's American. American. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's just, it's just become a, it's just become habit. But yeah, we uh we talked about it last week. We weren't sure what his uh what his plan was going to be with his belt. We were all you know just talking about his health and wishing him the best. Yeah. Um, I am glad to see that he's stepping away. I'm glad to see Bellator um is not allowing any kind of international. You know, we're not putting this fight on in Tel Aviv or something where they're going to yeah. let let him yeah. fight and let any mistakes happen. Um, yeah. Because like you said, uh, I know he's good friends with Justin Wren and uh, I have yet to see anything bad ever in the history of the world about Justin Wren. So if he's good enough to be one of his good buddies, then, uh, yeah. then he's got to be a really good dude. So um, yeah, we wish him the best. I, uh, you know, I jumped the gun. I should have, should have mentioned that before, but for me, the Lima, I mean, that is like a dream matchup that I, we even talked about that as a potential matchup. I, I think it was last week and yeah. how their, how their skill sets are just so, I mean, Musasi has size, but if you if they were playing a video game, I think I mentioned it's they're striking, they're grappling, everything would almost be the exact same. Yeah. Other than maybe strength, uh, which would go to Musasi and, and a little bit of size, their their attributes would be like dead on. So, uh, as far as their like physical, their 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 dimensions, are they kind of like? Are they both have that? Three guys. I know Lima is. I'm trying to think off. Yeah, they kind of are. Because I've seen them both fight live. I've seen, I've been able to size them both up. I'm kind of like, I think that's another thing. I mean, and we'll get into it when we when we talk about this weekend's uh, pay per view. Because uh, one of the things I tweeted was how I think uh, John Jones has trouble with with guys with similar dimensions. But I yeah. feel like that's another thing that makes the fight you just mentioned uh, between uh, Lima and Musasi that makes that fight such a great fight. That they're 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 evenly matched. Uh, you know. That ectomorph body type, and Ray, you you can you can uh, attest to it probably. Those lanky, wiry guys are kind of hard to deal with, no matter what your discipline is. I mean, I know in grappling, it's always like, okay, you know, he's going to go for a triangle, and if he throws him legs up, it's going to be hard to get out of too. Yeah. So I I will say this: I mean, the the one big X factor, and I'm going to kind of jump a small point and then a better point. Mm. I I think Matt, we were talking a little about this weekend. I am such a huge fan of everything that Bellator has been doing in the last two years. I think they've been on point, like, you know, with how they've been developing and bringing up young talent, how they've been putting together cards, legends, the fights we want to see. And then like the, 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 what do you call it? Like the, 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 the good fights that are there. I've, I've, even to a point, even a little bit more so than what the UFC has been doing in the last couple of years. This is my personal opinion. Um, but I will say this about Musasi. He is a beast of a fighter. No one's ever going to deny that. But it's always which one of him is showing up that day. Because mm-hmm. I feel that that like like Douglas Lima is a guy that no matter what, no matter when, he brings like violence to the table. He will he will put you out. Like you can't. There's never a fight where you look at it outside of times where he was injured and you and we knew he was fighting through injuries and that kind of stifled like like, mm-hmm. like stymied rather a couple of his performances. Um, he is such a beast of a fighter. He comes to fight. Like you know, you're in a war when you're fighting Douglas Lima. Masasi kind of, in my opinion, checks out every now and again. Here's a guy with all this talent in the world and probably arguably could be one of the top 10 greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. If he always, if he came with that, 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 I want to say like, 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 like that Lima type attitude, that edge of like, just go out there, that workhorse, you know, like Gray Maynard had it. Like there's so many good like fighters that had that, that Diaz attitude, like just go out there and bang, you know, if he had that attitude, he might be, like one of the best, like the greatest of all time. We'd probably be sitting here discussing like him up there with like, you know, like with the Fedors and with everybody else, but you never know which version is going to show up. And that's why it's always interesting watching him fight because you can sit back right now and be like, uh, is this a guy that we saw kind of like sleepwalk through a fight and lose a decision at yeah. some point he thought it was going to come, or he could be the guy that's going to put you out and like, you know, under around, you know? So I'm always like, that's one of the things about I'm saucy. I'm like, I'm always interested in which, see which version, it's going to show up. And, and the crazy part is he never does that based on like, you know, like you again, get into other sports, like a, a great football team. Yeah. Like, you know, they'll play down their competition or something like that. You know, 
he never plays down in a competition or plays up. He just like, you know, you walk in thinking like, oh man, he's going to be on point. Nah, just sleepwalks through and you're like, what the hell was that, bro? You know, so. Yeah. yeah. It's almost yeah. like it comes too easy to him sometimes. And yeah. He just, yeah. He just kinda... and you can't tell by the way he talks for interviews because <laughs> yeah. he always sounds like he just, he's just bored of everything when he's yeah, exactly. an interview. <laughs> but that, that's obviously the future Bellator event. We'll talk more about that. Uh, there's some other Bellator events uh, prior to that that we'll get into as well eventually. But uh, we got to look back at this past uh, weekend's UFC 247 card. Um, I didn't catch the whole card. I made it home just in time to watch the last three fights, uh, the Toffa knockout of Adams, and then the two world title fights. I know there was some controversy on the judging prelims, um, and I did catch the uh, Andrea Lee. Uh, 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 gosh, uh, Lee, Laura, Laura Murphy, Laura Murphy, Laura Murphy yeah, fight. Yeah. Uh, I watched that right before we came on the air tonight just to kind of <laughs> get an idea because I know some people were, were complaining about the judging on that one. Um, I don't know if you caught the whole card, Ray. Uh, I know uh, Ed did. Um, I mean, just to jump in on that one, I know a lot of people, all the all the media had Lee winning, uh, I think, 29-28. I thought it was a really close fight. I, Of all the the things, I didn't think it was a robbery necessarily, and I'm a huge Lee, Andrea Lee fan. I mean, she's one of my favorite women's MMA fighters, so obviously I was rooting for her. But after watching it, it was an extremely close fight. She probably should have won 29-28, but not uh, – I, I didn't see the same kind of uh, uh, not, you know, I, I, it was such a close fight that I can't really complain too much on that. So I don't know if there was anything else on the prelims that, that uh, or Ray that you guys saw that, that jumped out at you. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see like all the early prelims, but I saw, I went back and watched some of the fights that people were questioning the judging on mm-hmm. because it was thing. And I, I don't know, like, I gotta be honest, like sometimes it's like 21 years doing this, being around the sport. And sometimes, like recently, I'm like, I don't know this sport anymore. <laughs> like, I don't like. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, you know, what's the point? Like, yeah. th- there weren't there. I I don't understand. Like, from from octagon control, I don't understand. Like takedowns, I don't understand. Like to the point where where I see like things happening now in in, in MMA, and I'm like, like you know, like some of those fights. Like I I, I like you said, it's not egregious. It's not like watching. God, what was some of the, the worst robberies we've ever seen? I can't I can't think of any off the top of my head, but they're bad decisions. I, I'm looking at them. I'm like, I don't know what these judges are looking at. I don't know if there's an issue with judging where maybe they're too close to the action and they need to watch it on the screen so they can get more. I don't know if there's what's what the answer is, but the Lee fight didn't bother me too much. I so I did catch that one. Didn't bother me too much. I thought she won. Now, now, like you know, you know, twenty nine, twenty eight is probably a, a better example, but she won. That didn't bother me too much. Um, I'm sure we're going to get to it. Definitely, the headliner bothered me. Um, that's one of those things that I was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't get it anymore. But, but, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, even even like the, the Derek Lewis fight, like I, I thought he lost. You know, <laughs> you know, I, there are certain things that I'm like, you know, there's yeah, a couple of flurries I thought he did really well with, but. I mean, I like the state of MMA judging these days really has to be evaluated because it's, it's just got to the point where it really does take a lot and, and not for nothing. It really, it, it, you start getting to the, the, the tinfoil hat theories about stuff. It really seems to affect the UFC a lot more. And, mm. and, and, and there's that idea that maybe they're trying to somehow get wins for their more cherished fighters or the people that they want to be the, the, you know, the, those guys there. But I, I definitely, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't get a chance to catch all the prelims, but I saw some of those fights and the controversies behind the fights that people were online saying it should have gone the other way. Yeah. And I, there's nothing that I was like, no, guys, being subjective, it could have been this way. I'm like, no, no, you guys are right. That should have gone the other way. You know, Lee, <laughs> yeah. Lee, was, Lee was good, though. Lee, that fight, she won the fight. And that one, I'll be like, she absolutely won the fight, you know, a lot closer than, than I think the scorecards indicated. But yeah. So the judge's name, I think, is Joseph. I don't forget his first name, but the last name is Solis. Joseph no. Solis. Yeah, and, and he's got a he's got a track record. Uh, I watched the entire card because I I have to when because I, I do the editorial for MMAnews.com, the seven takeaways piece, and that was actually one of the first takeaways that I wrote about. Um, actually, let me bring up so you can see the odd scores. I'm gonna uh, let me let me do this so we could see all see it share screen. I want to uh, bring up because I'm on the Wikipedia that has the scores. That way we can see all the you can see the ones that he scored. 
from so, that night or in the history? Okay, here we no, go. From from that night, yeah. So here we go. So this is uh, from Wikipedia because uh, we all know the UFC's website doesn't put anything accurate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so this was the first fight right here. This is the score it was Jonathan Martinez and An- Andre Uwell who 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 got the decision. But look at this here. It's 28-29, 29-28, and then there you had this 30-27. All right? And that was Solis or Solis? That was, that was him. Yeah. All right? And then the the one you just talked about, Murphy and and uh Lee, right? 28 29 uh 28-29, 29-28, 30-27 again. All right? See, I don't I don't know after watching that fight, I mean, like I said, I thought it was close. I I don't think it was a robbery that Murphy was given the decision, but anybody who saw that fight 30 to 27 doesn't know what they're watching. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And then obviously the one that everyone is talking about is the from the main event. Uh So yeah, I mean obviously 946 is the one that's uh the one well, that so th- those are all him. Jeez. Interesting. So we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll jump to the main event then. Anybody that watched it or didn't, uh, John Jones was awarded a, a decision, a unanimous decision. Um, judges scorecards, three rounds, two, three rounds, two. And then one judge gave him four rounds to one, which was the, the Judge Solis. Um, Insane. I like 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 you say, Ray. I I uh, yeah. I, I I simply think th- I don't think the judges even understand. First of all, I don't think anybody really completely understands how they're supposed to judge, um, and that goes for fans. That goes for the rules committees. That goes for for everybody. I, I see a lot of this talk about octagon control and coming forward, and and the way I read it, and I'm usually pretty pretty good with this stuff, is that you only go to that step of judging if there's not if 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 striking is equal yeah so so they go striking first if i'm kicking you in the head 72 times it doesn't matter if you get three takedowns and you're coming forward i i, I, I win that round especially if you don't land anything now while jones was landing some stuff the 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 uh significant strikes for reyes in the first three rounds were a handful more than Jones in every single round of that, of the first, of the first three. So, so, so he's landing 27 and Jones is landing 18 or he's landing 23. Jones landing 16. That those kind of numbers. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the, you're right. The, the, you know, you have to look at all that stuff, but the point is you do have to be watching for all that information to happen. If we go back to the Murphy Lee fight, I mean, during the broadcast, both Dominic Cruz and Joe Rogan pointed out, that uh, he wasn't watching the fight. He was on yeah. his phone. But that was fake news. Like, you, you didn't <laughs> see that, that. That was fake news. Nolan King called him out and said that that wasn't the judge. That was the commissioner. That well, was, either uh, way, I mean, either way, was, it, it, it just goes to show the, the level of, uh, I mean, they never let it go the whole night, though. If you watch it the whole night, I mean, sure, if, if, if that's fake news, that's fake news. But still, if that's, if you're in, the, if you're a part of that, if you're, that's the commissioner, that's the, that's the, one of the head guys of that whole body that's supposed to appoint all these people. That goes to show you, it's it, you know, sh- the shit goes downhill. And if 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 the dudes, if that's the dude that's running the joint, then well, who do you think he, you're, he's going to bring in there to watch these fights? I mean, these they're all they're out there sweating and bleeding and putting it on the line for for folks that are going to. Oh well, I, I guess so and so one because uh, you know that's that's kind of yeah. I, I mean, thought. I'm not trying to defend the Texas Athletic yeah. Commission. They're a bunch of clowns. They've always been clowns. <laughs> UFC knows they're clowns yeah. when they go there and they sign for the event. My point is that that's the commissioner. That wasn't the judge. The judge was the African American dude well, fuck, sitting, fuck sitting judge, right. They all no, 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 but I'm just saying. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're going to use that example, I, yeah. I don't. I whenever but, I mean. I, I, I've been to 55 UFC events and Dana White probably spends three quarters of the time on his phone. He's not watching the fights either. Uh, Dana White's sitting there with his with it looking down, and yeah, he's the one but, who's he's signing these people. Yeah, no, you're he's right. Paying their contracts, like he's, he's giving said, out the bonuses. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it, it's not if the judges are watching the fight. I don't really care what the commissioner's doing. No, he no, might yeah. be getting an email saying, "Hey, we have." You know, a, a, a coronavirus outbreak in the in the you know in the in the concession stand. But you know, well, that, I, I don't. But I, I get what you're saying that you want you, everybody should be focused. But I think that this is this is another prime example. And I brought it up with the Stephen A. Smith stuff. Joe Rogan says a lot of stupid shit, folks. Oh yeah, no, that's that's and, a whole and, and a, for lot, him, a whole separate podcast on that. I know, but, but, but for him to call somebody out 
and it make the world. And I mean, Andrea Lee's tweeting this out. Um, I'm seeing people, uh, and I didn't. I I assumed it was true too until I saw Nolan King, who's been a guest on here and is one of the most credible people that in in the whole MMA world, uh, writer for MMA Junkie, call him out and say, "No, that's the commissioner, so and so. The dude next to him is so and so. The judge is the dude on the far left who's got his eyes on the fight." So Joe Rogan's basically calling out the wrong dude, who doesn't. Even, I mean. It looks weird, but Joe Rogan's got to be right if he's going to name somebody, essentially, and call them out as a judge for not watching it. Now, perhaps he shouldn't have been watching it because obviously he didn't know what the fuck he was watching. <laughs> but, you know, I, and, and, you know, I don't usually cuss too much on here, but I just it's just it's wild to me that I know you say you got to watch for all that stuff. But the rules say if you go striking, then I believe it's uh, and then I believe it's grappling and then it's like octagon control. I mean, for the dude to basically essentially say he's not going to award a fight. And I know, I know, Ed, you've always been a proponent. You got to be coming forward. And that seems to be accurate in a lot of these decisions. Yeah. And, but the dude is a boxing judge. I mean, well, the way I look yeah. at it is if he, if he judged all of 50 of, of uh, Floyd Mayweather's boxing matches, Floyd Mayweather apparently would be like 10 and 40. <laughs> if the dude is, if the dude's judgment is based on who's coming forward and not That's actually true. who's landing yeah. punches, well, I mean, we saw we saw Jones dazed. I'll let you get in here. I'm, I'm just fired up now. Yeah. Uh, we see Jones dazed. We we you know, uh, and and this is like the third time. I mean, the Santos fight was fr- freaking close. The Gustafson fight, he got his ass kicked too. I mean. I said it before. You're never going to beat John Jones and the judges in the same night. And I, I just don't get it. I don't know if the judges are fans of these fighters in the UFC. Uh, Ray mentioned they don't happen in other organizations. If you're a judge and you're a referee and all this, uh, this stuff, you've got to be a fan of the sport in a sense. So maybe you're a fan of John Jones where you're not necessarily a fan of Douglas Lima because you don't watch Bellator or you're not a fan of uh, Pitbull, you know, but you're a huge fan of Conor McGregor and you're a huge fan of, uh, you know, all Diego Sanchez when he's beaten Gomi by decision, or you watch the Ultimate Fighter, so you're taking Bisbing over, you know, half the half the world when he fights. You know, I I, I don't I don't know. Go ahead, Ed. I, 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 I take you I take you down, like I said, and like I said, not to get all tinfoil hat theory on anything, but you know, I also at times you look at it like in any sport, this is a money making venture. You know, this is a money making venture where you have, I mean, not for nothing. And, and Matt, we were kind of talking about it this this past weekend. Personal, my personal opinion, looking forward into UFC, there, it used to be back in the day, I wanted to watch every card because, oh my God, what's like, what's Anderson Silva going to do? Oh my God, Nick Diaz is fighting there. And, 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 you know, PJ Penn, when he was a champion and good, he was fighting over here. You know, like you had all these fighters that you just always wanted to watch and be invested in. Nowadays for myself, outside of guys I know, and have like, like I have a personal relationship with, like there's some guys on undercards that I know from like, you know, the Florida MMA and mm-hmm. jujitsu scene or, or, or the guys like, like Nate Diaz and stuff like that, that I'm, you know, like fans and, and like I've done seminars with train with and stuff like that. You know, these guys are like, I, I look out for those guys, but there aren't a lot of big name marquee people out there for me. Like you're not selling me. Oh, what was this fight they have coming up? There's one I saw a fight pass or like flashing a commercial for or something. I'm like, who? Like, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not giving up time a day or anything like that to go watch you know, whoever versus whoever. I don't even know who the guys are, you know, like, like that. You know, so when the UFC has their – and if not for nothing, after Ronda left, you know, Connor's taking a shellacking. You know, like, like, you know, yeah, he beat Cowboy, but, you know, there's a lot of, like, dwindling down of, like, that top-tier talent out there that's not necessarily getting people as excited before. They have to hold on to those people that are still either super controversial or money makers, or, or, or. John Jones is one of them. He's one of their their, their top guys. Yeah. And, you know, like, again, I'm not saying that there's corruption in that sense directly. I'm not being like, oh, it's a corrupt game. But you never know who, if there's some other interest or, or, or interest game. Like, hey, it's in everybody's best interest. If this guy wins, take that as what you will, you know, and, and kind of go about it that way. So I feel like, uh, like it's one of those situations that, you know, maybe, you know, there, there's certain other, you know, conversations had that, you know, no one else is privy to. And, you know, that's the way it kind of went that way. I mean, I've often joked that if there was like an MMA hell, it'd be a, a, a fight that is like repped by Mazzagotti with like, you know, <laughs> Cecil Peoples, Adelaide Bird, and apparently yeah. as the judges. I mean, that would yeah, be yeah. like, that would be like, you and know. Doug Crosby would be another judge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. They're all watching. Everyone's like, what just happened? You know, like if the fate of the universe was based on a fight and there was only people in charge, we'd all be in trouble. But like, you know, but like there's some bad judging out there. 
<laughs> Personally, I've had an experience with a, a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who is a member of the Florida Boxing Commission judging. And years ago, there was a controversial fight. It was, it was um, Misha Tate fought uh, – oh, God, who she fight here? She fought somebody here in Florida. Might have been Kazangano. No, because yeah, might have been Kazangano. Somebody that everybody was like, Misha lost, you know, and Misha won the fight. And I, I, it was like one of those controversial things that everybody in the internet talked about. I forgot who it was, but I'm sure you guys would be like, who, who did she fight here in Florida? That was a, a controversial decision at the end. Right um, and one of the judges on that, somebody involved in that fight, like, a few weeks later, months later, I caught up with that person at a, um, a jiu-jitsu tournament. Liz Carmouche. Liz Carmouche. That was the one. And Carmouche won that fight. And and everybody was like, mm, you know. So And that judge asked me, a guy's there is like, hey, uh, so what did you think? Who did you score winning that fight? And I looked at him and I'm like, you had the best seat in the house. Why are you asking me? You know, like, like, yeah. you know, like, you, well, motherfucker, why are you asking me what I think? <laughs> because if you, if you think what I think, I think that, you know, the person you guys all said one did it, you know? So, yeah. so in that sense, like, I think that there's sometimes a, a, like judges can make a mistake and they can drop the ball, but in certain regards, but for those, some of those scores, like I, again, personally, I had, I had a three, two going into the fourth round for, uh, for, for Reyes. Mm-hmm. Jones obviously won round four outright, and and I was still coin toss on on round five. I gotta be honest, like like mm-hmm. I you could arguably be said, you know, in the beginning of round five, Reyes came out throwing heat, and I was like, damn, well, he, he's not like wilting right there, you know. I even look at the fact of like like takedowns. Oh, Joe, Jones won on takedowns. Even if I was going to go like like IBJJF tournament rules, you have to establish and maintain position on that takedown. Three seconds. Yeah. Three seconds. If that guy's butt hits the ground, they pop right back up, like right away, like how Reyes did. Advantage. It's not even a, a full point score because it's like there. So, you know, and 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 Reyes was landing shots on Jones in the beginning of that fifth round, and then got and kind of got like tired. You could tell he was getting tired toward the end. But he, I, he, I, in my opinion, that was one of those things that not the worst screw job we've seen of all time. However. I didn't think that Reyes uh, lost that fight. I, I definitely think he should have won. The same thing with the uh, Derek Lewis and Latifi fight. Latifi got him down, held him down, smacked him around on the ground. You know, I know that Derek, uh, you know, put on some heat at the end of round three there and it, like nearly almost knocked him out. But I'm hard pressed to sit here and be like, how did you guys score that Derek Lewis won when Latifi took him down, held him down, and was like on top mm-hmm. of the entire time? Like there was nothing. Lewis was lost. You yeah. know, so like I don't, I don't see how. These like you know in one fight, obvious takedowns with complete domination and control, and the guy not getting up for almost two minutes didn't count. While Derek Luce is winging haymakers that were barely landing, but in another fight where Jones got quick takedowns and the guy dumped him and he got right back up, that had more weight than the punches in the face <laughs> that Jones was eating at that point. So how can like the those judges or that that athletic commission sit there and be like, no, no, we're good with this. This works because you you basically in in, in the tail of two fights right there, the opening fight of the card and, and the headlining fight, you had two different things. Like like this guy lost the fight. Well, based on the criteria you gave Jones to win, then then Latifi should have won. Yeah, you know, or the same criteria you gave Derek Luce to win in the Latifi fight, Reyes should have won. So how do you how do you look at both and say like you know like and and there's the the thing for MMA judging especially in the UFC that's been problematic because again it's like it's hard to even coach fighters it's hard mm-hmm. to coach fighters because you hear coaches in the sideline saying you know hey you're up like you know and they'll be honest you're you're up this round go out there don't do anything stupid if you can put them out put them out but you can coast a little bit don't overextend don't do something dumb how is a coach to sit there between rounds able to sit and tell their fighter you know I, I'm not going to tell my guy. You know, like, oh, you're good, you're good, we got this when, when, you know, you have no idea. I know the whole don't leave it in the hands of the judges, but, man, it is hard. How many top-tier guys you see getting knocked out? The top guys in the world, when they fight, usually it's usually a, a long decision. You know, yeah. sometimes even controversial. Rarely, if ever, do you see that, oh, my God, I dropped the guy with a punch right off the bat. Never really happens. I mean, on, on occasion, and they do happen, but – Rarely, when you get to that level of talent, where two of the top, the, the, the best in the division, the best in the world, are fighting at that weight, rarely, if ever, those guys put each other out. 
So you got to start looking and seeing like, we got to fix the judging at that point, you know? And I mean, I don't know if I just spoke in circles there, but that's my, my, my look on it. That's my, my, my feeling on that whole thing. Because I, I, like I said, I walked away from the fights this weekend saying, all right, cool. MMA. I have no idea. I have no idea how to coach my guys in the gym now and say, <laughs> this is what you got to watch out for because it's going to change from fight to fight. Obviously, like we saw with those two fights on the card that night. Yeah, and I know you'll get folks that'll say, you know, well then, then you know, don't leave it to the judges. But that's easier said than done. Uh, you know, no matter the competitor or where they're fighting or the commission behind it. But uh, and um, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because uh, one of the things uh, that I st- you know, I have to stay up for the post fight press conferences. So, you know, th- that was a big question that folks asked Dana White too, and um, you know, he also had uh, I think he also scored it for Reyes. A lot of people scored it for Reyes. And uh, but one of the things he said was, you know, but the the at the end of the day, all 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 of our opinions, you know, officially don't matter because we we're not we're not the just having to be better educated. It'll, I always think about. I wish I could find it. I mean, I don't know how far back Twitter goes, but one night, Henzo Gracie and I, it was on a it was public on Twitter. Uh, I want to say like 2014, maybe. But we went back and forth, and we were in agreement that there's too many. But the boxing commissions are pretty much the ones that that make the rules. You know that then they just extend, they they change the verbiage for to extend to mixed martial arts, and then uh, so all these all these commissions bring in you know these old school boxing guys like we we mentioned uh, Cecil Peoples, Adelaide Bird, you know all the all these old school boxing heads to come in and judge MMA fights, and they don't have the first you know, inclination of what, what, what advantages like someone could be going from uh, for a submission off their back, but all they see is that it's someone on their back and, and they're, you mm-hmm. know, because they're on their back and someone's on top of them, they're losing. Even if their legs are wrapped up, you know, figure four triangle, the guy's face is turning purple. If the guy doesn't tap in the round ends, they'll still score, you know, for the, the, the top position guy. And um, that's just one of the things that, that Dana White also alluded to at the, at the post fight press conference was, he even said they don't have enough big fights down here. Um, and Dominic Cruz alluded to it too when when he did his wrap up with Joe Rogan at the end of the night, where he was like, you know, let us in and help you understand what these what the positions mean, so you can at least make the right scoring versus what you think is happening. And it's just one of those things that uh, I mean, I personally would like to see. I mean, like you see Frank Triggs a ref now. I would like to see more things like that happen. I'd like to see some fighters maybe i mean the thing is you have to worry about bias because of gym affiliation and belt affiliation and and stuff like that so maybe there's they're concerned about stuff like that but i would like to see more more of the 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 previous because you know, this sport you know it evolved, it's evolving faster than any other sport uh the guards change faster than any other sport so you see a lot of young young you know the guys that were their the the number one guy won't be won't be the number one guy 10 years from now look at john jones he's not looking like john jones even dana white said that at the pre- post fight press conference this is not 25 years old john jones anymore he's he's you know he he's in his 30s and and that's probably why we're seeing what we're, I mean, matt you made the comment <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean look but, but you say yeah that's what i'm saying like you said that last, thing. You, i mean yeah look at his fight you said that last time you were like is this is john jones when he's I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe that's what what it is. But I'm going to go back there. I I do agree. I do feel that fighters should be judges because if you look back, probably in my opinion, one of the best judges of all time, in my opinion, was Matt Hume. When Matt Hume used to judge fights, Matt Mm. and and Matt is, I mean, obviously he's an icon in the sport. He's one of the greatest coaches and, and, and he was out there. But he would objectively call down the line. Like he wouldn't go, he would just, because he knew that that's what needed to happen to be the best, you know, like to get the best fight. So I, I think it could happen. I spoke with, because at one point I was like looking for like some other work. I'm like, you know what, what the hell, why am I not doing a, 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 a guy knew who reps MMA fights in Florida was like, you should talk to uh, Frank over here in Florida to get the, um, the, the, the head of the boxing commission to get on and be a judge. And I, and I asked him, I said, like, what's the process of doing this, this like to become an MMA judge, a referee in, in an MMA fight. And they asked like, well, what's your experience with like, their biggest thing was kickboxing and boxing. What's your experience with kickboxing? I'm like, well, I, 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 I teach MMA. I, I'm a black belt. I teach MMA. I, I, I was at the time, I was the, the national director running a 
a, a very well-known, reputable jiu-jitsu tournament around the country. So I'm very versed in the grappling aspects. You know, have you competed in boxing or kickboxing? I've coached, I've coached boxing, kickboxing, but I have a better understanding. So they were telling me the process. It's like, you know, you have to do five years of amateur fights only. We're not getting paid. You have to have five years of that. Then after you do five years of that, you jump into doing like, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Two years of doing like, uh, like pro fights at uh, once you get to the pro level, you start with, you know, the guys in red jackets, you see walking the guys out in the locker room or watching the hands get wrapped. You're that yeah. guy, you know, then you start doing that for a couple of years. And then after a while, once you get to a level, you can start doing like MMA, like professional, uh, MMA, like on smaller scale cards. And then the big cards can call you up. And then it's like, after you do that for a long time, then you're able to go like you would judge this thing. So I'm like, based on what you said right now, you're looking at guys with like 10 years to possibly go out there and get that reputation. I said, how many active MMA guys are out there wasting time doing that and looking to do that now? And who do you have doing these fights that now we're doing in the state of Florida? We have these fights happening right now. I'm looking at those guys, ex-boxing. So, so you're telling me that you're taking an old boxing judge who understands how to work the 10-point must system, and you're saying that in three years or less, they're understanding the nuances of grappling and jujitsu, wrestling, more so than me, who I've taught this for you know, a, a decade plus now, you know, and done this for 21 years. Yeah. And, and you're saying that they're going to be more adept because of what? Because like, like, I don't know what's going on in the fight. You know, it's like, I'm well, like you know what you could do? You know what you could do, Ray? You, you could marry a, a, a boxing ref and then become, become a judge like Adelaide Bird did. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Adelaide, you sexy, blind, you sexy, blind woman, you. It's yeah. obviously your heart of vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're starting to run low on time here. I, uh, You mentioned uh, other sports and stuff, and other sports don't put up with this. They change the rules. They bring in replay. Yeah. I hold – I mean, I know the UFC is not MMA. The UFC is the UFC, but mm-hmm. the UFC is what is representative of MMA for 90% yeah. of the world. Um, they need to make moves. They need to make changes. They need to implement these moves. If the commissions don't want to allow it, then don't have an event in those commissions, yeah. in those states. Talk yeah, to Vegas. I agree with that. Um, yeah. They're talking about the open scoring. I don't think that's the solution. That's no. where the fighters would know the score. I think you'd see a lot of, quote-unquote, taking knees in the third round and fifth and fourth round of fights when fighters know that they have the fight wrapped in a bag. Running away uh, stuff, I agree. Yeah, because <clears throat> you can you can even lose yeah. the round. Hell, I'll pull guard and I'll, I'll – bullshit the guy's not going to finish me on yep, the ground yep, yep. i think the key and it's glorious yep. the open scoring but my move and i've said it before is five judges and half point scoring that would be my first step the whole the one point the the 10 9 is too much because a 10 9 round is the same as if i jab ed one time they give and he doesn't land anything they go 10 9 yep. but if the next round if ed takes me down threatens me with 75 submission holds and 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 cuts it's my done. head open with three elbows. It's still uh, ten nine. It's still yeah. ten nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I, I mean, he literally has to have me almost unconscious or ready to be taken out on a stretcher for it to be a ten eight. The judges don't follow the rules. Don't use ten ten. That is something that's another thing. It would create a lot of draws, but I don't care. I don't mind. I didn't mind draws when they were in well, Pancrase. I don't mind draws at all. I think that we need more of those in these and, close fights. And it's um, only going to take but, time. It's only going to take time to fix too. And one thing I'll, I'll give my state a shout out for. I mean, it was, I made it 2014, 2015. There, uh, I know they did it with a couple of CFFC events out here in, in Jersey. Um, you know, they did. Uh, they tried to to do um, the judges separate from the arena and everything in a in a, in a separate viewing room yeah. with the use of instant replay. You know, I think there needs to be some experimentation to see what has the, the highest success factor. But again, everything takes time. It's not going to get fixed overnight. It's certainly not going to change what happened over the weekend. And I, and, uh, I, I will yeah. say this: I mean, there are. I think there are some other systems out there that work. I mean, we talked about a little bit this past weekend when we were hanging out, uh, Matt, about how when the UFC and Zufa bought Pride, Pride. Yes, obviously there was some like judging bias and different things and set matches and Pride back in the day. However, their system they had a better understanding of grappling, the, the the yellow card system, different things. Like that. There there were systems that worked. Their rule sets had a better understanding because. Uh, they, they just understood mixed martial arts more. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think that there is a lot of heavy importance on striking. And, and I think judges get swayed. Like, I can't tell you the amount of times I'm watching fights and, you know, guys, there's a kicks and, 
and, and fighter A those 100 kicks and punches and fighter B blocks literally 99% of them where they're not doing anything. It's like, oh, he's looking busier. He's beating him up. No, he's not because like, like you said, get back to that Mayweather thing. He's Philly shelling. He's looking to let this guy burn himself out and then pick him up. I liked in the Olympics when the Olympics had that every time they had the red and the blue button, like, oh, blue fighter hit, score, red, score. And they're going back and forth just hitting the, the buttons at that point. However, again, it doesn't give much variance to the takedown game. It doesn't give much variance to the, the grappling if they're going through submission attacks and stuff like that because those are more prevalent. You know, having Damian Maya on your back looking to choke you out for five minutes and you almost dying versus a pick and paw checking kicks and, 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 and feints, you know, jabs and stuff like that for, for four minutes standing. You know, I, I, I feel like that's worse than the ground. The guy on the ground is, is literally murdering the guy as we're watching him. So, like, there has to be more, like, base, like there has to be more knowledge. I mean, I don't – there, there. I do agree. They need to be experimentation. They need to look at what's worked, even in other organizations in the past. And the big thing is, like you said, Matt, the UFC isn't MMA, but it's what everybody knows is MMA. They got to like suck up the pride there, no pun intended, and start saying to themselves like, listen, we got to start figuring out a way to make this better. This ten point must system's not working. We, we can't have this be the standard. And and I think it's you know we have to look at other organizations or other things that have been successful and kind of look at what they've done and not say that we're the best always and we never make mistakes because obviously historically speaking you can go back and look at the amount of times there have been egregious I mean really bad decisions uh, in, in the UFC that have to be rectified and have to be fixed so I absolutely especially since like you know again we talked about this affects the fighters a loss or two they can cut mm-hmm. you and your contract and you're gone. This is a fight. It's like, it's like, wait a minute, I won that fight. I did everything right to win that fight. Now I got a loss on my record, and I'm in jeopardy. If I go out there and get clipped and knocked out in a flash KO, oh, you lost two in a row, you're out. Bye. You're, 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 you're the prelim on the, on the ESPN Plus card on a Wednesday night, and no one's going to see you again. And there you go. It's like, damn it, I won that fight. I should be the champion right now. You know, so these are things that the UFC has really got to like, take it on themselves and look at it and be like, hey, this is something that we need to fix. I think we're definitely going to have to carry this conversation on on a later episode. Um, but uh, and just a quick mention: Valentina Shevchenko uh, defended her title. We we kind of got off on the the yeah. much talked about event. No uh, no question there. Uh, probably the top one twenty five female in in all of MMA. Um, so we'll we'll look forward to her next fight. Ray, yeah. why don't why don't you throw any sponsors your your handles for Twitter, uh, MMA Community uh, uh, b- uh, Same Twitter and Instagram at base b a s s g j j r a y. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of stuff at Jiu-Jitsu, post a lot of stuff for music, post a lot of stuff when I travel and do all these music festivals. So you see me there. Um, upcoming, uh, a lot of great events upcoming. That I, I mean, I'm looking to do some IBJ Jeff events this year. I'm looking to get up there and compete in ABCC. I'm trying to work on some sponsorship deals for myself right now. Um, comp team's doing well. Uh, some friends running big events, Substars, February 21st in Miami at the Fillmore. Monster card, check that out. Um, some monster competitors on that card. It's going to be awesome. And uh, other than that, it's pretty much it for now. But uh, yeah, uh, MMA, uh, the, uh, MMAC community there, uh, Rhino out there, always Rhino. And um, what, what, what is my Xbox Live handle? Base, DJJ <laughs> Rhino. I think I always forget my own handle. So come come shoot me up on Call of Duty or something. Awesome. <laughs> Fans can always follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram, myself at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter and Carbeerzal on Instagram. Ray, again, thanks for joining us, informing us Thank about the so weekend's much. Pan Am uh, Kids Championships. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. It sounds like we could go on for hours, but yeah. uh, there's always next week. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Peace. Take it easy. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions and some the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout on the podcast, maybe... Uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.